Monday night, uh, just gone 7 o'clock, my special guest in studio. Um, well, this, this one is a little bit easier than trying to figure out what Benji does for a living. Uh, Pepe Murray, he is, wow, what, 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 you know, advertising man, author, family man. You've just, you surprised me and the book surprised me. And I'll tell you why, because I first heard about Growing Greatness and I was like, that sounds great, that sounds fantastic, nice book, Pepe Marie, no idea who the dude is, but okay. And then the the, the, the ad sort of connection became apparent to me and I was like, oh no, it's going to be another advertising person. And you're not, you're none of, you're none of those things. Um, and, and you don't seem to fit in the mould. Uh, is this a conscious thing? Sure. Is it the con- I would say it is a conscious thing. Um, I just dropped you in it right there. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> nice drop. Thanks for the opportunity. But I think I, I epitomized a normal ad man up to about 13 years ago. You know, sex, drugs, rock and roll. Uh-huh. I mean, the ad industry is, is yep. hard working but hard playing as well. Yes, very hard playing. Very hard playing. And I got to a point in my life where I felt I was not adding the value that I can add. Mm-hmm. So I do think it's a conscious decision. It was a conscious decision to, and I love advertising. I think, I think it's, a, it's a powerful industry and it, it's got a lot of stretch. It's got a lot of value to add. It doesn't add, add as much as it can, but it's got a lot more stretch and, and I'm throwing myself at it. Let's take you on a journey because um, the first thing that I said, and we chatted off air just now, I said to you, to, you know, Pepe Marie, you know, and, and like a kind of you, you sort of initially think Spanish Mexican origin and then a real Afrikaans surname like, like Marie. Um, tell us a bit about, about young Pepe and your life. So, so, how did you get to where we are today? Let's take that journey. And, and, and you know, we're going to follow very loosely what happened in the cool. book as well. Um, so born into Afrikaans home. So my birth name is Andre Pepler, Marie. It's kind of French, but yes, Afrikaans. <laughs> no, <I've got laughs> and, so and my older sister was three years old. Three years old when I was born, and she couldn't pronounce the Pepler, mm-hmm. so she called me Andre Pepi. And very quickly the Pepi stuck, and that became my name from birth, except for my grandparents who, who called me by my birth name, Andre wow. Pepler. But the rest, so that became my natural name. And it's interesting because as I moved into advertising, I married an English woman. Um, so I'm still Afrikaans as my first language, but I speak more English. But Pepi is also in people. So if you look at the word people, P is in it. And I think that's part of my purpose is, is very people-centric. But, yeah, that early, the early days were rough, especially the first 14. Um, alcoholic father and pretty abusive, a love for guns, uh-huh. all the things that go with that. Yeah. Um, but very grateful for the fact that it forced me to start working at the age of 11. And my own son just did his first little entrepreneurial gig on Friday and he's 11. So it seems, yeah, maybe he's picking up his dad as an example or maybe it's just sort of part of who he's going to be. I don't know yet, but I'm not forcing him, but it's interesting. So I started working at 11, um, pretty much seven days a, a week. And I think that planted the entrepreneurial seed 
and also became in my DNA to work really hard. Uh, quite an Afrikaans thing as well. Mm -hmm. Have to work hard. But I also, I believe in, look, if you're passionate about what you do, the hard work comes naturally. But I mean, you didn't start off in, in the ad business. No. There's a story about you meeting a flossy somewhere. <laughs> I was going to become an engineer, civil engineer. Yeah. And I see it in the township schools now. I work with township schools. I've done so for the past 13 years. And all the kids want to be doctors, lawyers, yeah. engineers. Those are, that's like the top three, doctor, lawyer, engineer. Because everyone wants to make money. I wanted to become an engineer to make money. I had no passion for it. It was just you make money. A friend of mine's dad was an engineer. And that's what I wanted to become. And completely by, I don't know what you call it, chance, like fate, met a guy who was a graphic artist on the border of the then Southwest Africa and Angola. Uh -huh. Were you and doing military service then? I was doing two, two years of military you, service. So, so we sort of must be very close in age there if you also did two years of military uh, yeah, service. I was the last intake that did two years, so 1987 and 88. Okay, I was just before you then. Yeah, yeah okay. and I was one of the last probably 30 people to leave Angola yeah. from the front pulling back yeah. I was bringing back the back end of it it was amazing as an experience I never saw war I was in the support services but I saw the guys who saw war it was pretty intense Listen, that was horrific I mean the, shocking the, we always used to say you know that the, 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 there were two kinds of war that was mm. being fought at that time which was the border war yeah. and then the, the township ones yeah. and um, you know I, I'd spent a lot of time in townships and I just I, I saw those guys coming back from the border and, and I was like, no way, could I? And yet, some of them that got transferred from the border into the township scene just couldn't handle it, you know, and it, it was just, but it was a brutal, brutal Oof. time. Uh, the, 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 I did three months in the townships mm. when I did my officer's course. It was horrific, the things we saw. Yeah. Horrific. And, and uh, yeah, but, you know, that's life and all the conditionings and the preconditionings and... I'm just very grateful that I've grown through it, you know. We don't realize that these, you know, the deeper, they say the deeper the root into the darkness, the more the growth above the ground. So yeah, absolutely. It's one of those things. Okay, so then you were, you were there, you met this graphic artist. I mean, what's he doing on the border with portfolio? I mean, <laughs> it sounds like too good to be true, but that's, I didn't even know what it was. He showed me his work and somehow yeah. I just knew it's what I wanted to do. Um, I didn't know if I had a talent for it. I just, I just somehow knew that's what I want to do. So, skip forward a little bit. You came back, uh, finished your national service, then mm. what? Studied for three years at an art school. And interestingly, for the first time in my life, found something I was really good at, which was massive for my self-esteem. Because at school, I was super insecure because... I wasn't good at sport, I wasn't good at school. I wanted to leave school at the age of 14 and just make money delivering newspapers. Um, but my mother was a teacher and she wanted me to make my trick. I found no value in school and in the system. Zero, nothing at all. Um, but I finished it, but I wasn't good at it. So it pretty much did a good job in destroying my, not destroying, but pretty much depleting my self-esteem, being measured and being graded against other people. I was good at maths. Yeah. But I found my own way to get the right answers and that was also not often seen as right. So it's just an interesting, that's why I'm so passionate about education because as a system, there's something seriously wrong with it. I would, I would agree with you. Mm. I would agree with you. 
Um, so, so you studied, and I'm going to try because <laughs> I think you've got two creatives sitting across the table. <laughs> for This conversation could go anywhere. So I'm going to try and keep it on track. Um, so, so then you started, what, did you finish studying, and did you immediately start your own business there? No. So I, f- I finished top of my class since year one. I'm a, I was leagues ahead, and I don't say that with arrogance. It was just the fact I was so passionate and so good at this thing called graphic design at an art school and I pretty much just top of my class three years in a row and I went for a job interview the very next day after graduating because I had to pay my, my, my debt mm-hmm. took a student loan I paid for myself um, I say that lightly my mother I was staying with my mother so she paid for everything else like food and accommodation but I paid for my studies and um and found a job, my second interview, they employed me on the spot because of the strength of my portfolio. And I started as a junior artist um, at an agency that back then, the JMB, the Butterfly ad. And I worked on Smirnoff and I did, and I did pretty groundbreaking work for, for the early 90s. Um, but I knew at art school, I pretty much had my first vision for my life at art school. I knew I was going to have my own business by 30. So I thought, well, I'll finish, get some experience. But 30 was my cutoff date to have my own business. So I always knew I was going to have my own business from the moment I discovered art. And I did a stint in Johannesburg at one of the top agencies for two and a half, three years. And then at the age of 29, the time came to start my own business. Okay. And you started that with a partner at that time? I started it... It was interesting. I was going to start it and I had a copywriter, Noel, that really wanted to join me on this endeavor. And together we cracked this idea called takeaway advertising. And then I knew I needed a business partner because I'm a creative guy, which is interesting that we think as creatives is we're not business minded because we are. But we sort of just differently business minded. I don't know. It's it's a it's a very it's a conundrum in our industry where we call the creative guy and the business guy, but actually creativity is the business. Um, and my business partner to this day, twenty one years later, in the first into like the first meeting we had at Bardelli in Cape Town, it came out that the guy saved my life. So it was profound. I mean, never met him in my life. And he tells me the story about a guy whose life he saved drowning three years before. And I yeah. realized that was me because I never knew it was human intervention. Wow. And that's why we started the business together because we just thought, well, that's like serendipitous. Yeah. Yeah, I was often told one of my great mentors always said serendipity is God's way of remaining anonymous. <laughs> We're chatting to Pepe Marais and uh, we'll get on to his book, Growing Greatness. We'll be back in just a bit. It is what's involved. Mix 93.8, it's an absolute pleasure to have you along with us tonight. My special guest in studio, Pepe Marais, and uh, we're chatting to to him about his life, about business. I mean, <clears throat> it's fascinating and and uh, the book is absolutely brilliant. Um I think, and I don't think I'm going to be mistaken in saying this, if it hasn't done it already, this is a book that will quite literally change lives. Um, and it's, and it's, yes, it is full of insight, it's full of wisdom, but I think it's the way that you've written it because you, you literally lay it out on the table. You know, this, is, this is my life, this is where I was, this is what happened. Um, and we were chatting, 
We always make this joke amongst us radio people. Some of the most interesting conversations happen off air. Um, but we we were chatting during during the break about you know those those days and and what happened and and you know how you do you you sort of and you said it yourself that you you tend to overshare. Mm. Um, I I've been accused of that as well. It's just mm. that there's so many voices in my head that are all fighting and they want to get out. So I've just got to everything comes out. Uh, are you are you the same way there? I used to drink a lot of tequila, oh, so yeah. I don't drink at all. I haven't drank a drop for 13 years now. I love I tequila. overnight. I used to drink lots of tequila, <laughs> and then I used to call it truth serum because the truth would always come out. So I thought when I stopped drinking tequila, I'll stop oversharing, but I didn't. <laughs> so it seemed, it seemed it's not the tequila. It's in my DNA to just overshare. Um, but I did it also with purpose. You know, I, I wanted to put it out there because I think we all – tend to carry this mask, you know. Yeah, we were talking about that, this, this, the masks that we wear, the facade that we big carry. Facade, big facade. Mine was massive, long hair, bells on my toes, like complete arty guy, life of the party. But, you know, inside I was pretty much empty and I just didn't feel I was adding true value. Because you said it was, what was it, about 13 years ago yeah. that you kind of went, okay, this far and no further. Yeah. And and what led you to that, though? A, a multiple of things. Um, I, I'm in a long-term relationship with my wife. We're 34 years together now this year. And back then, our relationship was falling apart. So that's probably one of the most critical things, that the, my relationship started falling apart. Um, the business pretty much tanked. It didn't belong to me anymore. We sold it off, and it was struggling. And we lost half our business overnight. So suddenly I was defined by materialistic aspects of the world and my business was defining me. That was failing. Financial was failing. Um, my health was failing. So everything, was, everything came down crashing. And it's actually a pity that it takes that amount of trauma. But I mean, I suppose I look at nature now, you know, when there's a felt fire. Yeah. That's when you get new growth. So I suppose that's kind of natural that, that you need that sort of destruction to have a massive change in life. But it's a pity. It is. I was about I to say I wish you could change without having to experience that because if I can give you the magic tablet to change tomorrow because this thing about consciousness and greater purpose and more meaningful life, um, it's fascinating as a journey. Yeah, but having said that, I've never, in, in, in my experience, come across anybody who's gone, yeah, you know what, I decided to be more conscious and, uh, you know, came to, life was great and I just decided that I, mm. every single time there is a story and every single time there is a journey and, and oftentimes, even in, in some of the old writings, it's referred to as the hero's journey. You've got to kind of hit rock bottom and I, I remember um, I actually made a post the one day a good couple of years ago on, on, on Facebook and I was sitting there in absolute despair and I said, you know, rock bottom is never where you think it is. Because hmm. when you, when you kind of, you think you're there, ah, oh, no, buddy, uh-uh, you know, that's not where it can get to. And it, it, it takes a long time. And sometimes you think, is this struggle worth it? And then you look back and you go, oh, yeah, hell yes, because that me was not a me I was proud of. It was not a me that I loved. Yeah. And I think that's also an important part of the journey is being able to look at yourself in the mirror and go, yeah, dude, you're okay. I think that that me, someone asked me the other day, did you just change the new person? I said, no, I actually went back to who I really am. 
Yeah. Because I think that's the journey is towards self-discovery. Yeah. And we spend all our time pointing fingers at everything that's wrong around us, but we never look at ourselves. You know, we mm. never introspect. And my experience is all that happened is I discovered the real person that I was born to be. Because yeah. you get conditioned out of it. Racist mm. home, racist. Yeah. You know, like, and if you don't watch yourself, I mean, I spent time this weekend with people who are still in that conditioning. Yeah. And I don't blame them, but it is, it's, it's, it's so limiting to watch how people can still be in that conditioning and 30 years later. But a lot of this is still fair, you know, and, and mm. I think a lot of in this country, we, we still experience a lot of fear, yeah. all of us. And it's across the, across the board, yeah. across the spectrum. Yeah. Sure. Okay. You see, we're digressing again see, because we digressed. we're getting into we're getting into fascinating stuff. But fear, just quickly on fear. You mentioned fear. Yes, everything's driven by fear, and I think fear is there in the absence of a greater purpose. Yeah. Because there's nothing that's giving you a rudder in your life. You're pretty much living from weekend to weekend. You know. So it's it's a fascinating. I don't know if it's a methodology. It's my belief. It's almost my religion now. Hmm. It's, it's, yeah, sorry, I got I got lost in uh, lost in living to weekend to weekend because I used to live Monday to Wednesday because Wednesday was sort of midweek break kind of thing, and then uh, the partying would start on a Wednesday mm -hmm. and then it would end generally on a Sunday afternoon. I am so aligned to that. Yeah. I started on Thursdays, yeah, and when I cut booze out of my life, and I'm writing my second book now, so it will be in it. I put forty eight active hours onto my week yeah it's like, so i'm not living two months every month purely because of purely because of just cutting alcohol out and just maximizing my life because of that so it's 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 a really and and the other thing is this weekend i was living weekend to weekend like a stuck record like repeating the exact same picture the next weekend and once i changed my life i wrote a 25-year plan and I'm living towards that 25 years to in, towards 2032, and everything's happening. So, Sheesh, that is impressive. We're uh, talking to Pepe Maria, my special guest in studio, um, business owner, father, entrepreneur. Uh, can I call you a social activist? Yes, I think I am. I think you are. Yeah. I also, I do I have a non-profit organization. I work with township schools, and I'm super passionate about education, um, learning, making South Africa great. Oh, did you did you pick up on my conversation with Benji as as I was leaving about how, and I do you know and I, I got uh, the other day I got so because you know the, the the whole hashtag I'm staying it's like mm. why okay it's nice yay hashtag I'm staying that's nice uh, what are you actually doing because that's my opinion you know it's all it's all good to go yeah and we can post fluffy stuff on social media what are you doing you know. I love this country. Yeah. Isn't it a mess? Oh, hell yes. Yeah. Is it going to help if I leave or you leave? or No. You know what? We need to sit down and we need to realize we're all people and get it going. I'm digressing again. Pepe, talk to me about Joe Public because it, in my mind, Joe Public, was, was there wasn't a Joe Public and then suddenly Joe mm -hmm. Public was everywhere. And it's not a sudden thing. But mm -hmm. talk to me about that. It's a beautiful saying. Apparently by one of the first entrepreneurs in the world, I can't quite, I can't remember his name, he said it takes 17 years to become an overnight success. <laughs> I don't so, disagree. So Joe Public's been around for 21 years, uh, started in 1998 as takeaway advertising. 
So we wanted to revolutionize advertising by turning it into a restaurant model. So rare, medium and well done ideas and then on execution, rare, medium and well done execution on a price point on a menu in a little diner in Cape Town. And it really disrupted the market and was a springboard for almost like instant success, which we then sold three years later to American Enterprise, a New York listed entity, to expand. And we opened in New York City. And then 9-11 happened, that failed. And we were suddenly working for Americans for eight years of our careers. So for eight years, we were owned 100%. And it it, it was not... A pleasant experience, but an experience that I was meant to go through with my business partner. And because we realized once we bought the business back in 2009 that we will never um, sell it to an international company again. Yeah. I say that lightly because you never know what comes in the future. Mm-hmm. But we are, we've been offered, we've been approached for the last five years often, and we just we say no. So we're proudly South African, 100% South African owned by ourselves, and we are the largest independent ad agency in South Africa, and we're currently ranked number one for the second year running in our industry, which is no small feat because the Goliaths in the industry is pretty much three to four times our size. Um, So to compete at the top end, and of course by the grace of our people and our clients. So it's not us being geniuses, it's because we've got incredible people who work for us um, who are committed to us um, and also we've got incredible clients that entrust us with their business so just to make sure i mention that because building a business is never just a one-man show no absolutely and i mean but but you guys and and you say this fairly lightly but mm. i mean you've won some amazing awards you really have yeah no, i i'm i'm super proud i think i think you know there was a period where, where it was all so bottom line driven because of belonging to a New York listed entity. Everything was about the bottom line and which is the world that I observe today in the corporations. Everything is bottom line driven. Yeah. You know, even the country's talking about GDP and GDP growth and it's like an obsession. Well, you, you, you don't make the numbers by focusing on the numbers. You make the numbers by focusing on what you produce and making sure that your service is excellent is pretty much like a restaurant uh, and that should apply to a country as well. I think there's too much focus on numbers and talk and not enough action making sure that your product is exceptional and your service is exceptional. Um, yeah, and also our business is purpose-based for the past decade and that's made a fundamental difference too. This is the thing that I find so fascinating though yeah. because you know, often you'll hear pe- people talking about the purpose-driven life, purpose-driven business, and you're like, yeah, okay, you know. Um, and yet you've done this, and, and you've decided that it's going to be purpose-driven. And, I mean, if anything, you guys have gotten better. What do you think? Why? So why is that? We've gotten better, and we are going to get a lot more better. And we're going to – we're about going towards 300 people now – the top end of our industry is about 700 people. I think we're going to get there in the next three to five years. Um, but not because we're chasing to be bigger or to make bigger turnover, because we are chasing to become better every single day. Um, but the interest, I think the purpose is a very interesting question. I mean, I've asked 
um, once before, I've asked the board of directors of a 12 billion rand business, there were 11 of them, and I asked them, what does this business stand for in one word? I asked them each to write down what the word was, and I got 11 different answers. Now, if you don't have clarity at your executive level, how can you expect your 2,500 people to know why they mm. come to work? Yeah. So to me, purpose is just the ultimate strategy for business. It's your Uber strategy which attracts your people, which defines your values, which defines your vision. Without a purpose, you can't have a vision. I'm studying business now. Business at an MBA level teaches that vision comes first, and I completely disagree with it. Purpose comes first. It radically influence your vision um, and when you build your whole business on that approach which changes your systems the people that you attract your processes um, your PR your product every single thing changes and then the byproduct of all that change is a magnificent bottom line which is at the bottom of a long long list and that's what I'm advocating through my book as well is a new approach to business which I believe is a better approach which which is becoming a, a global standard, albeit on a very small percentage of businesses. But there's evidence now globally that this is the way. There is talk of something, and, and when you talk purpose, uh, would, would you say um, that this is where, what part of the purpose thing is, is there's this drive, and I say drive, it's not big at the moment, for, towards conscious capitalism. Mm, 100%. And, and that, is, that is the basic uh, basis of a purpose-driven life, purpose-driven business. What is, what is Joe Public's purpose? Joe Public's so, so the, I just want to take one step back, just address what you said, conscious capitalism, because mm. capitalistic system is still the best system that served the world the most, yeah. although it's been abused. So the consciousness of capitalism is to be conscious with what you do mm -hmm. within that system and how you actually make sure that your business serves more than just the shareholders, it actually serves all stakeholders. And, and the leading companies globally are more purpose-driven. Our approach to purpose is that it is defined by one word because that's how you get traction in the business and people actually start understanding it. That's how you sink it into people. So our one word for Joe Public is growth. And people will go, well, that's very obvious as a business. You want to grow. But it's not. I've run many of these workshops and every time it's a different word for different businesses. But the definition of the word is actually the true purpose. So our business exists to be the fertile soil that grows our people our clients and our country. Those are our three strategic pillars in our business. We grow our people, the better our people, the better our product. That serves our clients' growth to the best of our ability as a advertiser, as a marketing assistant or arm to our clients' businesses. And that money builds our business and we can deploy that, that money into our township schools and we can create more jobs. And that's how we assist to grow our country. And hopefully in time we might be able to get a shot at help government to find purpose for our country. And then I think we will be in business as a country. I don't, I don't think that's an unreasonable goal at all. No, I think it's achievable. I think it's, it's, it's very, very achievable. Yeah. But, you know, we talk about, about business like this and, and, and people and everything. If you had said 10, 13 years ago, if you'd said this is what I'm doing, and you'd announced it as we're talking now, they would have given you a very nice, comfortable cell with these, these like really soft, squishy walls <laughs> they would have. and a jacket that buckles at the back Definitely. because they would have gone you nuts. You, yeah. You're going to kill your business. But mm. let's be honest, at that stage, you were killing yourself. Yeah. 
No, it's a it's a fundamental shift, and I think the subtlety is, you know, everyone knows the cliche: the more you give, the more you get. But of course, you need to give without wanting to get. And I think the greater system sort of will catch you out if you're giving to get. But it's a very subtle. Pre two thousand seven, I was in business to enrich myself, and I was making no money. Post two thousand seven, I was in service of every single person around me whether they work for me, whether my clients, whether they entrepreneurs who I can assist or offer guidance to or whatever, everything I do is aligned to my personal purpose and in service of others. And it seems for me that's worked much better than the, than the 38 years before I changed my life. How did the, the rest of the business take this? I mean, and your partner as well, mm. did, did, did they kind of look at you and go, oh, he's lost it, you know, this is what happens to people in the ad industry? Or, or did they buy in? I mean, obviously by now they've bought in. So my founding business partner, Gareth Leck, and my wife are the only two people who just didn't even blink, just said, cool. The rest, are, a lot of people question it. So those are the only two people, even my own family probably thought I'd join some form of a cult. <laughs> but they were the only two people who didn't question me. And yeah. Gareth completely trusted me as I trust him with my life since he saved mine. And he allowed me to bring this methodology into the work space. And and this is this is what we're driving. And we don't get it right every day. And we're not absolutely on purpose every day. But when we lose our way, we know which way to course correct towards. Yeah. So it's ultimately strategy. Fantastic. We are chatting to my special guest, uh, Pepe Murray, author of Growing Greatness. Um, we're chatting about his business, about his life. My special guest in studio with me, Pepe Murray. Um, you've done... Amazing stuff. Though. I mean, there's not just Joe Public. I mean, we've talked about Joe, but there's many different aspects of Joe Public as well. Um, and they're all doing well. Mm. Uh, you're not just in South Africa? Or? Yes? We, yeah, so we've got five businesses in our group in South Africa. And we've got an agency, which it's, it's an interesting one. We started an anti-franchise franchise. franchise. <laughs> so a franchise that doesn't subscribe to franchise rules. So we've got a Joe Public in Amsterdam. It's my best friend's agency. And based on our anti-franchise franchise philosophy, we only charge them a, a, a license fee. But same brand. And they run the takeaway advertising model out of Amsterdam. And it's cooking. It's doing amazingly well. They're also in their market number one at the moment. Oh. So it's great for both on two sides of the African continent to have two Joe Publics that are both number one. Now, talking about African continent, mm. plans to go up into Africa? We have. We, we, we've, we've, we had affiliates and we actually had two, three Joe Publics, one in Zimbabwe, one in Kenya and one in Namibia and none of them worked out. So, so we, we've put that on hold. We're waiting for a substantial client who wants to get into Africa because that's what we'll need mm -hmm. to carry the expansion. But we're focusing on the local market. There's too much to get right for us. When you say that, how is the local market for you? Because, you know, when, whenever you, you have a problem with the economy or people mm -hmm. are, are moaning about the economy, the first thing to go is advertising and marketing, which is, in my opinion, kind of silly. Um, how's things been for you and how are they looking? So I suppose, you know, it, it is kind of silly because the rule says you shouldn't, but I suppose if you have to choose between people's jobs or your advertising budget, you'd rather cut the budget than mm -hmm. cut the jobs. 
So I get it. Um, it's super tough. Uh, the market is flat. And we just believe, you know, when things are this tough, all you need to do is give 10 rand for every rand. You just you just need to give more. Um, and hence, we just push and focus on giving our clients the best that we can, which is not always good enough to do what's needed to be done. But we that's, that's I think, what's keeping us thriving in business because we're not just surviving. We're doing well. Mm. But it's because we really, we make mistakes, but we make up for it and we we endeavor every day to do better. And I think our clients know that when we stuff it up, the intention was there to do well. Okay. Listen, we got a book to give away. Yes. How would you like to win the book? All you got to do is uh, SMS your name and what are we going to do? Um, what is the name of Pepe's book? Um, you SMS your name and the name of the book, 241348, SMS is charge 150. Otherwise, WhatsApp us, 084-822-0938. Uh, I'm going to randomly pick a winner. We'll let you know. Uh, if I don't get uh, to picking a winner before we say cheers and sign off, I will ask Pete and Dean from the Music Time Machine. They're up next. I'll ask them to uh, use technology and let me know. They've got a great night organized tonight. What, what are we going back to? 81? 81. It's going to be fantastic. Something to do on my drive home. Um, so there we go. Uh, if you do, it's uh, want to win that book. Your name and the name of the book. Peppy's book, Growing Greatness. Let us know. 41348. Uh, WhatsApp us. 0848220938. And uh, then we'll make sure that we get your name and details and somebody will be on the line to deliver that book to you. Peppy, you mentioned the second book. When can we expect that? If I know Tracy, she's already put you on a deadline. She's already put me on a deadline. Um, I was in my sick bed a few months ago. That heavy flu that hit all of us, well, a lot of us, mm. and and I was also I'm studying. So you've done your MBA, so I mean, it's not easy, and running a business and in a demanding climate, and then I had this idea for a book. So it's launching on the 10th of the 10th of 2020. And it's also growing greatness, but it's 20 habits to break habits. So I'm writing a book on breaking bad habits. Okay. Well, we're going, we're going to have to insist to have you back. If not before then, then certainly then. We'll have to wait till after. It'll be a good reason to come back. Yeah, there's always Punt a reason. A book. Always a reason to come back. Uh, the book is available. Is, is there an online edition? There is. I think it's on Kindle and ah, Amazon. Yeah, That's perfect. Then. That's the only place you're going to get it at the moment because we're in reprint. Oh. So I don't know how many exclusives have got it. Okay. So this, I'm giving you a hard copy, uh, hard copy of the book that we're giving away. And it's signed. Um, I'm actually going to ask the guys just to uh, choose a winner and let me know. Would you mind, Doug? Thank you so much. Um, okay. In conclusion, where to from here for Pepe Marie? Where to from here? So our first objective, we are in the process and hopefully we pull this off. We're very pro-transformation. So we would like to build the largest independent black-owned or majority black-owned business in our industry. We think there's a huge gap for proper transformed entities, especially at board level, which we don't see enough of in this country. So that's the next step. Then double the business. Um, and then once we get there, we'll see to where to from there. Well, I have a message for you um, from uh, somebody that um, I'm fairly sure you know. Um, and the message comes from Lisa Illingworth. 
And she says, anytime, anytime you're ready to give up Joe Public, you're more than welcome to come and work for her. I know, Lisa. <laughs> I'm going to get there, Lisa. You know I'm going to. So that's my long-term vision is to get into education. So yeah. my time will come. I think that's absolutely – she does fantastic yeah, stuff. I had her in a couple of weeks ago. And you know what? And, I, and I'm sure you had the same sort of – yeah. the response is like, what can I do? I want to join – how, how, where? You know, so I, I, I understand that. Baby, thank you so much thank you for, for, for coming in and chatting to us. Uh, we wish you all the best with the book. It's already a bestseller. I mean, let's be honest here. Yeah. Um, somebody's going to win a copy of that. And uh, I'll catch you again next Monday.